Hello and welcome to Celtic Down Under. This is Jared and today I'm having a Spotlight Series podcast with Danny from the Romania CSC. How are you, Danny? I'm good, Jared. I'm good. Well, yeah, as good as we can possibly be in this situation, but uh, staying home, which is the most important bit. Exactly. So it's a uh, bit of a doozy at the moment. So how are you going with the season break shut down? You missing football much, or you got like other things to fill in the in all the spare time that we all tend to have at the moment? Well, I'm certainly trying to find something that can, you know, fill at least part of the gap that's been left there. But um, no, there's there's really nothing you can replace football with. I've been watching full match replays, highlights, anything I can get my hands on to sort of, you know keep it going a bit otherwise it's uh, it's just strange i'm trying to fill my time with as much you know pleasantry as possible yeah i know exactly what you're talking about youtube's copping an absolute hiding in my house watching old videos of like i sat down with my wife today and was like yeah oh so you've got to watch this and i showed her like a five minute video of nakamura highlights and goals and stuff and then She's like, whoa, getting excited, and I go, now watch this, and we chuck on the last and stuff, and it's just, yeah, you know, it just tides, bides the time a bit, so it's uh, good to get a football fix in that regard. Imagine if it was like 20 years ago when there was no internet, no YouTube, any of that, what would we be doing, watching old VHSs or something? Do you know, it does remind me a bit of my, uh, my childhood when all I had was um, the... Um uh, C fax to check the results and maybe had to wait a week for the dial up to fire up and check out the highlights on a fledgling YouTube or some other, you know, forums to download the goals. So it is going back <laughs> a remind, few years. It's reminding me of like back when I was a, when I was growing up, like games on in the 90s and everything. It was like, all right, work my job during the week when I'm not at school, get a bit of pocket money coming in and then every week go down buy my British Football Week magazine see the result oh we won this week good oh <laughs> we lost oh no we lost to those pricks again so it was always like <laughs> that was how I got the results and then we'd have the, the monthly catch up at the CSE up here where like someone would get a family member record all the games VHS tape them send them all over and then you just sit there and watch a few games so at least we're not back to that level but it's still really weird do you know, I'd actually prefer that at this moment because you know, a week's delay is still only a week's delay, whereas this is just, you know, you, you start making up. I, I know there's a blog that started up, some bloke writing up um, imaginary match reports, so it's gotten to that point. I've seen a guy on Twitter, what he's done is he started up a football manager career as a manager of Celtic, and he's actually like live tweeting his games as he's playing and what football manager and what offers are coming in and all that sort of stuff and I'm like okay people are starting to lose their mind a bit (laughs) oh god so what we'll do is we'll go through the um, I'll just ask you a couple of questions about the uh, Romania CSC so do you want to tell us a bit about it uh, where it was founded and by who well sure so uh... The way it actually started is um, my mate Marius and I, um, we went to the Astra game, you know, in the Europa League, uh, was it six years ago? Yeah, December 
14. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, you know, with all the away fans over, spent a couple of brilliant nights in Bucharest as well with everyone. And people kept asking us, you know, where, you know, where can we reach you? Do you have a CSC? Do you have a page? Do you have anything? And we had absolutely nothing because we'd, through all the years, we'd, we just figured you can't start a CSC with two people. There's no point in even trying to do that. But at the end of that gate, at the end of that um, away trip, um, we really decided to to just start a Facebook page, start a CSC, really go for it. Because even with two people, you know, it's enough of a presence to start maybe attracting closeted Celtic fans in Romania that we didn't know about. So that was the 1st of December 2014 when we kicked it off. And yeah, that <laughs> we, we're, not, we're not regretting it in any way, shape or form, but most of the attention that we've gotten over the years has come from overseas. Yeah, so then you've got, um, so off the back of that, then you would have had a couple of clues, games against Cluj over there this year as well. How would they go? Well, that was, uh, you can imagine, Christmas, birthday, everything packed into one. And to have it twice in the space of six months is still surreal to think about. Because we, you know, <laughs> the first game was was all right. You figure every year we would hope for a qualifier against a Romanian team back when Stauer was, well, back when Stauer was a thing, you know, they're in trouble now, but... Every year we'd be hoping to get them in the qualifiers or in the Champions League groups, and it never happened. We figured, yeah, we're never going to get that lucky again as we did with Astra. And, yeah, that happened this year, uh, last year. And um, it took every ounce of our energies and imaginations to, to make the most out of it, but certainly won't forget it anytime soon. Yeah, it seems lucky for you guys. It's like been since 2011 was the last time we had Celtic out here in Australia for pre-season yeah. games. So for us over here, I'd be like, I'm kind of jealous even that you had two in, in the space of six <laughs> months or whatever. I'm like, dude, you guys are winning. Love and life. <laughs> uh, what was the last one? Well, I th- was it Central Coast Mariners? Yeah, we had, um, they, played. they played against my local team over here, Melbourne Victory, and what was funny oh, yeah. as well, so that was when I saw them play, and then they played in Central Coast as well, so I saw that one, and they played against Brisbane, so they were the three teams, but the funny thing for that was, like, my now wife was sitting in the next bay over from me at that game going for Melbourne victory, and I, there I am sitting there with Bruni standing in front of me, stretching in the corner, just uh, watching the game, and her friend was abusing Bruni, saying, you're in the way, I come to watch the football, and I'm abusing, just yelling out, shut up, he's worth more than every player on the pitch. <laughs> well, yeah. it. certainly a serious atmosphere for a friendly wasn't it then? Oh, yeah that's how it's done so with the CSC do you have a regular place you meet up for games at all well the thing about that is um, Marius is still based in Cluj um, I've been pretty much travelling for the past what, seven, eight years I've lived all over the gaff in Europe so um, now I'm based in Germany, but whenever I'm back in Romania, I try to make it over to Cluj. And Marius has his local there, which is the Old Shepherd, 
which is where we hosted you know our little party in December for the second Cluj game. So uh, for anyone heading over, uh, if you're in Cluj, get in touch with our page and uh, the Old Shepherd would be the place where we'd meet up to watch a game. They're very accommodating. They can set up uh, you know, the screens, even though games aren't usually shown on Romanian telly, but we have a Celtic TV account. So it's, it's always an option. We go on a game by game basis if there are. You know, if I'm there or if there are other fans there, then it's always an option to go down to the Old Shepherd and and watch it together. Yeah, it's great. I was going to ask, did you? How do you get the games out there? Is it Celtic TV or is it another mode? But you just covered that one off. So how's the feed out there? Is Celtic TV sketchy like it is for the rest of us for you guys over yeah. in Romania? I mean, actually, in the past well, six months, I've been quite happy with the service. Initially, I was uh skeptical about you know the amount of money that they're asking for a service that you know for the past maybe just for the past year and a half or two years they've had the score in the upper left hand corner but i remember before they didn't even have the the score graphics on <laughs> i always thought that was a bit ridiculous to be asking for that kind of subscription fee but now it's especially since they've gotten very very good at uh, knocking off the uh, the illegal streams there's really no <laughs> you know no choice left in that matter so whether it's you know for good or for bad it's Celtic TV the only real option yeah we used to love the old illegal stream CSC as we called it down here because <laughs> with us it was the um Oh, it's just the worst because you get like you pay that money for Celtic TV, and then all you'd get is you said the score in the corner and basically commentary. Which basically, if I'm going to pay that money, I don't want to be listening to the radio. So, <laughs> that's pretty much what it was the equivalent of. So it was, it was good fun. Yeah, but is it better now for you as well, or is it still lagging, sketchy? Is it? It's getting better, but it's still a lot of room for improvement, in my opinion, and what it should be because like. Like, you see what the NBA guys get. You even see what, like, they do in the WWE with their streaming services. You see, like, other people, what you get for similar or less funds every month, and they get a better quality thing. So it's like, well, why can't we do that? Yeah, that's a weird one, since it's been going for so long as well. I mean, I think Celtic were one of the first clubs in the UK to actually have this set up. It's amazing to think about how little it's improved over the years. Yeah, it's really strange. Like, for me, it's like you see how much money, time and effort they'd be putting into stopping the illegal streams. Well, if you put that same time and effort into updating the cameras, the product, the what is shown as part of Celtic TV on top of what you're currently getting, I'd happily pay that money. I wouldn't even hesitate. Yeah, but, it's... A, it's a, so it's a bit of a weird one, really. Yeah, this certainly with the um, um, when you get the games covered by BT and well Sky to a certain extent. Although to be fair, I you know I, I prefer Celtic TV to Sky every day of the week, especially lately. But with BT, they're really showing you what you could get with a with a bit of effort and a bit of you know <laughs> genuine. Uh, imagination well for us over here it's um what we have is 
we got the B in sports channels, which are the feeds, like the, the BT mm-hmm. one usually. But since Gerard's been at Rangers, it's been well, it used to be pretty much a Celtic game every week, and then it's changed now. It's probably two weeks of Rangers, one week of Celtic, so it's frustrating. And then you look at the Premier League coverage with Optus Sports over here, and you're just like, I wish we had something similar to that over here. Again, I'd pay the money for that. But it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, for a while, uh, the games used to be shown on uh, local Romanian channels as well. (laughs) And I don't know if I want that to come back, to be honest, because the commentary was just so so rubbish and so littered with ignorance and stereotypes and I'd I'd noticed how mates back home who don't support Celtic would pick up on the ridiculous things being said like you know basically you'd get oh the Catholics on the ball here the Catholics have scored against the Protestants and then you know stuff that <laughs> maybe in the 80s or even earlier that would make sense but Come on, man. That's like, yeah, it's not currently. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's... you look at it and go, you look at the commentary and it's like so biased with the the BT sports feed and stuff with the ex-Rangers guys on commentary. And then it's like, if you had Saudi TV with our commentary, it's going to be super biased our way. So it's like, well, I'm one of those people. I, hate, I can't stand super biased commentary. I'm like, stop blowing wind up our guys' asses. He misplaced the pass and put it out of bounds. Give us... Give him a spray if he's mucked it up. But then you get the other extreme on the commentary from BT and you're just like, oh, I can't win here. Turn the volume down. <laughs> yeah, the you know, God bless uh, Tom Boyd and Paul Cuddy. I really, you know, I think they're brilliant people, but sometimes it feels like you're listening to Pravda or some sort of party political feed where it's illegal to say anything negative about the team and especially when it's not going well it's really frustrating you want to hear them actually you know give a dose of honesty there and say you know that that, that's not good enough or that needs to be improved on and it, it it can be just as frustrating as listening to someone who's biased against celtic at least if they're biased against celtic you can be like yeah well up yours, that's my team, yeah, exactly. whatever, and it like makes the game more interesting. But yeah, anyway, it is what it is. But yeah, sometimes you just be like, you know, take the filter away, let them call the game as they see it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So with the uh, Romania CSC, how is it received in the local community over in Romania? Is it a majority expats that come to games or? Yeah, definitely. Locals? The most um, supports and interactions we get are from expats and you know people overseas as well. But with the last Cluj game and the um, the party that we set up, we managed to raise a bunch of funds for local charities in Cluj. And I guess that was the first time that we actually interacted with the local community in any kind of meaningful way. We went and bought a bunch of, you know, foodstuffs and delivered them to a couple of charities that um, uh, set up soup kitchens for the homeless and the uh, underprivileged. And that was... You know that it was 
for us as well, kind of a, a, a preview of how things could be if we did go out a bit more and we did try to, to show what Celtic's about to people who don't necessarily know much about the club. Um, so that was a good start in that direction. But I have to say, over the past six years, uh, we really didn't get as many locals uh, interested in Celtic as we'd hoped to initially. I guess, you know, especially with the Premier League being on the telly week in, week out and other big leagues, it's it's a bit difficult to, you know, to get people attracted to Scottish football in general, even though most people back home do know something about Celtic and, you know, have some sort of spot uh, soft spot for them. Um, it's it's a bit difficult to compete in that sense. Yeah, it's the TV money and the media at it stock standard situation. It's the same over here. It's like we copping it with um, managers and people in the media just saying that Arzani and Rogic need to leave Celtic because they're not playing every week. Well, how about you watch the actual team play, watch the standard of the guys around them, and then come talk. Don't just look at stats on Wikipedia or whatever and go, oh, Arzani only played 20 minutes this season and has only played two games, but forget the fact that he did an ACL and was out for 14 months or the fact that Rogic is constantly injured. So... And then when he did come back, he got Christian and Cham playing well in front of him. These people don't know anything, so you see the media and they're just like, the people covering it don't really know much because they're stuck in the Premier League bubble. So that would make it hard to attract people because if people, if locals are going to watch British football, they're more than likely going to get the Premier League on TV instead of the Scottish League. Yeah, I mean, you guys still have a pretty... I mean, yeah, they're quite sizable expat community there, though, right? Which is yeah, which is where you get most of your members, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'd say it's probably there's three CSCs in Melbourne, and there's I think about 13 nationally, and yeah, some of them I'd say probably half half. Others are like one of the ones I used to go to was like 70 30 expats, 30 percent locals. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're missing to a certain extent, because I've noticed uh, everywhere I've been and uh, interacted with CSEs, there has to be a, a, a good core of expats that start the whole thing rolling and then people join, you know, locals join, but unless there's a sizable presence it, it, it gets tricky, and that's what we're missing. To uh, also because the expats that we have interacted with and, and gotten in touch with, they're spread all over the country, and Bucharest is pretty far away from Cluj, and my hometown is not exactly close either. So we're kind of just scattered all over the country, which makes it a bit difficult to to have that you know regular contact and regular interaction yeah well that makes sense because yeah it is a quite a large country i was having to look at it before on google maps just to get my bearings and trying to figure out okay how, what's away from each other so it'd be would be a bit of a challenge but you know at least you guys are putting in the effort and trying it so props to you for that 
Yeah, we're not. We're never going to complain because at the end of the day, it, <laughs> we're lucky enough to have found each other, Marius and I, and and the people that we did get um, on board in Romania. Uh, it's still much better than <laughs> than most people get, I guess. And we're we're happy to just chat over the phone if we're not in the same place and over the internet and. You know, you certainly feel like you're you're not alone, and we're happy to just put ourselves put ourselves out there. Um, you know, even if it's just an online presence most of the time. So, do you have any stories from within the CSC that you want to share with us? Like any memorable matches that you all got together for and watched, or anything like that? Uh, the first, actually, the, the the amazing thing about um, um, the CSE and uh, the Marius and I in particular is that we didn't meet face to face for the first five years, maybe. Yeah, we he got in touch over. Um, I don't know if you know TalkCeltic.net, the the forum. Yeah, yeah, I was active there when I was younger and. He he found me on there, saw that I had put in my details that I'm I'm from Romania, got in touch, and we spent about five years just chatting over Yahoo Messenger and AOL way back when, and we would get in touch every weekend, you know, discuss the games and whatnot. So finally, in 2013, um, for the uh, Juventus game in the last 16. I decided I was going to drive over to Cluj and finally, you know, <laughs> make it official and have our, you know, first game together. So that was <laughs> that absolute shit show of a game, that nightmare was our first face to face meetup. And it was the two of us in a in a different bar, not the old Shepherd, just this random bar that uh, Marius found it was showing the game. And after the third goal went in, we just started singing You'll Never Walk Alone, getting stares and absolutely you know, embarrassing ourselves in this random, not even sports bar. It was just a, a local bar there. People giving us funny looks. We did get a couple of uh, free drinks on the on the house just for, I guess, <laughs> you know. Um, the spectacle that we made ourselves in, but um, yeah, that was our first game together. <laughs> uh, not exactly what you'd what you'd expect or hope for. I definitely remember that game because I remember sitting on my couch watching the game over here, just screaming every time we had a corner because of the way they guys were just basically wrapping their oh, hands around us. Jesus, they wrap their hands around. But their arms, they keep their arms like a good four or five inches off your body, but they're just basically like they're putting you inside a hula hoop so that you move. You, you're the one making the contact on their arms so they can't get a penalty against them because you ran into their arms. It was like I was so disgusted with that tackle. But then after the game, a couple of days later, you're thinking, that was actually pretty clever coaching. I never forgot Lichtsteiner from that game. I, I, I just... Every time I've seen him since, and it's been a good seven years, I can't stand that bucket. I, I just every time I see his face, I remember the the, the absolute shit housery 
that he managed to pull in that game. And, you know, fair play to him for being a streetwise little so-and-so. But I, I just never forgot what he did in that game. I'm like that when I see Antonio Conte. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> just because of that one game. And, of course, that was the uh, ultimate downfall of FA Ambrose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bomsky himself. Yeah. All right. So, personally, outside of the CSC, what had been the most memorable game that you've ever attended over the years? I, I do want to say the first time I ever uh, set foot in Celtic Park, but that the game itself wasn't that memorable. It was Barcelona... Uh, 2014, 2013, actually, you know, the the season after the 2-1, the Tony Watt game. Yeah. So the the one where we lost uh, 1-0. I, I almost can't remember anything about the game because the whole experience was so overwhelming and, and you know, that, that I just built it up in my head for so long that I kind of just blacked out for the 90 minutes. <laughs> Um, but in terms of the football itself, it would have to be um, the three-all with Rapid Vienna in the Europa League in Tony Mowbray's season. Uh, I managed to get myself over to Vienna for the game, (laughs) and that comeback is still probably one of the most surreal things I've seen on a football pitch, period. what was it? Pat, Paul McGowan, I think, scoring the the equaliser in the in, in stoppage time. <laughs> it's just one of the most incredible games in one of the most incredible seasons as well. Given how how badly things went, uh, but it's it's just really memorable for me for some reason. <laughs> you mentioned Tony Mowbray, and straight away I'm just like uh, mental blank here. I don't remember yeah, Tony no, Mowbray yeah. era. And that's that's by choice, you know. Train that out of your brain. <laughs> well, it, 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 funnily enough, I went on YouTube yesterday, and one of the recommended videos was the um, the SPFL was live streaming um, the full Saint Mirren game. You know the one yeah, I'm talking. I saw that. <laughs> Absolute bastards. Yeah, I saw that pop up there, and I'm like, oh, great. I've got the Hibs game from a little while ago that they, they put up last week, so I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll watch that when I feel like it. <laughs> so, jumping back to the current season, what would be your review of the season so far? Who do you think would be the top performers? Who's underperformed, and who's surprised you the most? Well... Of course, everyone would probably say Edward, and that goes without saying. I mean, Eddie's just <laughs> on a different level from everyone else. But I've been hugely impressed with Ryan Christie. I think he's a, a, an absolute gem and probably one of the most important players. And, uh, you know, if I had to pick and... I wasn't allowed to go with the obvious choice. I would say Brian Christie for player of the season so far. You've just jumped to my next question. I was going to say, who'd be your player of the year? Who'd be your young player of the year? Yeah, definitely Ryan Christie. for, for Just for the, the, the incredible 
progress he's made and well the start of the season in particular where he was scoring week in week out to get that kind of service from midfield is just you know priceless um but i you know in terms of how the season's gone i really i'm struggling between being you know, realistic and grateful for the good football that's been on show most of the time and the absolute soul-crushing disappointment of Copenhagen. I, I just, in, I haven't fully recovered from that, even by now, really. I was so hopeful that we'd finally see Celtic progress past the first knock- knockout stage. It hasn't happened since 2004. I was 100% sure it would happen this year. I went to Copenhagen uh, for the first leg, saw that game, thought, well, you know, could have been much better, should have been much better, but it's fine. We'll get them at home. And I have to tell you, in the build-up to the second leg, I had this strange feeling that it was going to be Cluj all over again. And, you know, that itself was traumatic in in more ways than I can possibly describe. And especially for Marius, who's a local there and had to deal with the, you know, fallback. Um, But I had a feeling that it it, it just might happen again. It was 1-1 in the first leg. Uh, people were feeling confident about the uh, the home game, and I just had this you know, weird flash in my head going, oh no, oh no. And it happened, and that has just tainted things a bit for me, because otherwise it's been amazing. It really has been, a, you know, it was on course to be a record-breaking season domestically in terms of goals scored and... Uh, not points, but certainly close to the invincible season in terms of points total. Um, so, yeah, that, there's a bit of a mixed bag there because of the the Copenhagen debacle. Well, you're with you're spot on with that because like domestically it's been really solid, happy days. We're going well, everything's charting right. You compare the stats with like how we're playing, as you said. Record goals, we're around about the invincible mark for points, all that sort of stuff. It's going great. And then we get that little bit of hope, and it's Celtic in Europe, and usually it's Celtic away in Europe. So if yeah. the Cluj result had to happen in the Champions League qualifiers with the second leg in Cluj, people would have been like, okay, I couldn't yeah, live with that because that's Celtic away in Europe. If Copenhagen happened away, people would be like, okay, that's easy to deal with. Yeah. But because they both happened at home, and you can put it down to, you know, square pegs trying to be played in round holes, it was just didn't make sense. And some of those team selections, and yeah, it just both losses were avoidable. But I'll, but you take those two out of it, and you can look at the rest of our European run, the game away in 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 Sweden, the game away, both home and away against Lazio. You look Which at is, home that, against Cluj, there's a whole lot of good results through the whole way, but it's just those two results have put, like, I wouldn't say put a downer on the whole European run. For me, looking at it objectively, I'm like, 
Yep, okay, we did we we improved over the last year. We topped our group. Yeah. We've been making the right progress. But at the same time it's kinda of like if those happened away instead of home, it wouldn't everyone wouldn't have that downer feeling about them. It's it's weird because it, the Lazio results are probably up there with anything Celtic has done since well they won Barcelona. Since, yeah, yeah, that season. Uh but that just makes you all the more gutted that we we didn't push on. Because you think you've, you've beaten Lazio home and away, and then you go and lose to Copenhagen at home. It, it's just so hard to square those two results with each other. It's, and then I you guess, look at who Copenhagen got in the next round of the draw, which was some average Turkish team we would have yeah, like, realistically we should have like if ever, we got the exact same draw and everything you'd be pretty confident making it through to the final eight the other thing about that is and I've been thinking about this and it's, it's, it's almost delusional but it just goes to show you how football fans can always find a way to to reconcile things in their heads and and you know reduce the the uh, the disappointment. I'm just thinking, had we gone through, what would we be thinking and feeling now? I mean, how how absolutely crushing would it be to have finally gone through, to have a chance at you know a deep run into this competition, and, and to have Bill, the coronavirus, everything yeah. on hiatus. So in a way, I. <laughs> I don't know if that would have been much, much worse, actually. Yeah, it's a... Uh, you look at it and go, you look at the Hun fans and you'd be like, they've got nothing else really to play for other than Europe this season. And they're on, <laughs> it's on hold and I'm like, I don't know what's worse. It's like, do you want... It's like, you know, if you're going to be executed, do you want the bullets that's over quick and, and done with or do you want to be hung, drawn and quartered? It's kind of like... <laughs> What do they want? Do they want the quick death or the slow death in Europe? Well, in a way, they've gotten a bit of both because they got battered at home <laughs> and then you know, it just got left there. Yes, yeah, so they, the, they got the quick death there, but now they've got the long one left yeah. over because it's like, when are they going to get the second leg played and get hammered even worse? <laughs> exactly. Ah, sucks to be them. <laughs> <laughs> Always. I'm going to love laughing at them. All right, so what we'll do is we'll jump back over to one of my favourite questions I like to ask on these podcasts. So personally for you, Danny, who would be your all-time top five Celtic players that you have seen play live? Now, whether that's during your life, whether that's on TV or in person, and why? Okay, so live on the telly as well, right? That, that counts, yes. Yeah, okay. So that would have to be, number one would have to be Henrik Larsson. Absolutely no question there. I'm sure I don't need to even justify that. Um, unfortunately, didn't get to see that much of him. Um, just one and a half seasons, really. So I missed out on quite a lot. Um, but uh, number two would be... Um, do you know, I really, really loved Chris Sutton. I thought he was an absolutely magical player, and it, it, I still have to 
pinch myself when I think about the the different positions he played in. He played centre half against Rangers once, which is still utterly astonishing to me. And I, he adds something about him that I, I, I almost really wanted to reproduce myself on the pitch. That kind of attitude, that kind of you know all round quality that. I'm struggling to to think, uh, you know, what it compares to in terms of the strikers that we've had in 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 the last few years. Um, now, number three would be someone that I've actually seen in the flesh, and um, who? Oh, Paddy McCourt. Paddy McCourt, who played uh, in Vienna. <laughs> didn't really get to to see much of the magic that he was so famous for in that game, but certainly, you know, with a view towards what he's done, he did throughout his time there. He's just one of the most incredible footballers that I've ever seen. Just such an odd combination of astonishing talent and you know that lax attitude that you see with many many footballers who never really reached their potential didn't even really look like much of a footballer like you look no. at him as a person if you could walk past him you'd be like oh yeah that's just some guy probably drives a forklift or something you know the shaggy hairdo the the body type whatever and then there he is out on the pitch just flicks and tricks and you know making but what, I really loved, what i loved most about him is that he was really, you know, okay with that. He was happy. He was perfectly content and comfortable in his own skin. He never seemed to, you know, regret anything. If you follow him on Twitter, he always says that he lived his dream and he doesn't look back with any kind of regrets, which I, I genuinely love. I, I wish he would have been... <laughs> you know, a bit more professional and a bit more dedicated to the job. But you can't really argue with a guy who's who's had that career and didn't necessarily feel like he needed to do more. He was just, you know, happy with himself. And that kind of self-confidence and, and peace of mind is admirable in many ways. You ask anyone who's played the game, would they love to have had the career as a professional that he had and anyone sitting in that stand on the weekend would have even just probably done anything just for that opportunity let alone to have the career he had yeah exactly uh right so number four would be kieran tierney which is still a you know there's still a little pang of pain when i whenever i think about him or say his name out loud he, you know he was Probably the best left back we've had since, well, I can't even think really, ages, decades at least. Um, also, in terms of his off-field personality and and exploits, definitely can't argue with with Kieran being up there. And uh, number five, ah, oh, it's tricky now. Because it's who do you leave out at six, seven, and eight? That's where it's, yeah. this one gets tricky. Uh, I want to go with 
with someone who's who's in the team now because I think this team needs more appreciation, needs more credit for the things that it's done over the past what four seasons now. I, Eddie is special, and uh, initially I wasn't really sure when people said he was the best striker we've had since Henrik, but towards the end of well, I think February, yeah, I, I really started to to see that point of view, and I'm struggling to argue against it, really. So I, I'd have to say Eddie, and I, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to see him play live a couple of times, and there is something he's got an aura. It's not just the the obvious stuff, the 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 obvious quality on the ball, the technique, the vision, the composure. It, it's just even when he's just standing around, not doing anything in particular, he's got something about him. He's got that kind of aura that all you know top class players have, and I you know I'd be remiss not to have him in any top five. It's one of those things where you look at it, you go back to last, and then you go, well, look at all the strikers we've had since. Like you go in there, you had McDonald did okay, you had Hooper, Stokes they did okay. But then after Lenny's last team, you had Griff come in. He did, he's done well. But then other than Griff, you had Dembele was the next striker who actually did anything. That you yeah. had all the guys like Skepkovic and Baldi and you know all those guys you're paying two, three, four million for, and you're just wasting money when it's like go spend the nine million on a guy like Edward. Look what he's gone and done. Like to me, watching the old Larson videos earlier today, I'm like. Okay, it looks like Eddie must have been watching them too because of the hold-up play, the runs he makes, the way he beats guys on the dribble. He's got a, he's got. I think he's a good balance, a combination. If you watch him play between, say, a Hartson and a Larson, you mix those two together, and that's yeah. Edward. That's Edward for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a while, I was convinced that Dembele was the best thing that we got our, our hands on since Larson and I, I genuinely and I have to hold my hands up here I genuinely didn't think Edward was all that in his first season when he came over on loan and even the second season um, last season initially from maybe the first two or three months of the season I thought oh, you know we're going to struggle with just him up front and maybe we need someone, you know, to compliment him. And it, 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 it certainly has helped to have Griff up there with him. But now I'm, you know, I, I'm just looking at what Dembele's done at Lyon since he left. And he's done fantastic. He's done really, really well. But looking at what Eddie's done in Europe as well and how he's been playing... It, it, he he's just stepped up to a whole nother level, and we've you know I really really hope we haven't seen the last of him in a Celtic top. That would be absolutely heartbreaking. Well, what you're saying about how he was a bit of a slow burner for us as a signing, like when he came in that first year, he was behind Griff, he was behind uh, Dembele, and then you look at it and go, okay, so he's playing third string, he's developing. When we signed him full-time, the plan was, all right, we're going to play Dembele as the main man with Eddie playing off him, have the two play together. Mm -hmm. So he was signed to play as part of a two up front. Then 
the shit hit the fan. Uh, yes. Dembele, Dembele left. Yes. And then next thing you know, you've got Eddie up there on his own because Griff's also suddenly had his his mental health issues and he had to leave. Yeah. So you were just stuck with him up there on his own. So I actually reckon that was the making of him. That he had to got thrown in, thrown in the wall, sink or swim sort of thing. So yeah, you go. It's it's definitely also. I mean, I guess what got him through that period and made him the player that he is today is his personality, which can grate a bit. I have to say, initially, especially you know when you when he's not done anything yet, and you see him and you listen to him, and he's so laid back and he's so dispassionate it's hard initially to to get close to that but once he starts producing on the pitch and you know he probably that is definitely something to do with that attitude that he has where he's unflustered and takes his time and puts his you know head down and does the work and doesn't get you know uh, affected by misses or by the pressure that's on him uh, you start realizing that he's just um, he's in his own world, which many you know top class footballers inhabit, and that kind of attitude is what you need to be to be truly brilliant. Agreed. He's uh, living in Planet Eddie, and we're just all you know watching what's going on there. It's great to see. All right, yeah. so what I'll do is I've got one last question for you that I love, would love to hear your take on. So who would be the one player that never signed for Celtic that you wish did and would have pulled on the hoops like that you've seen in your lifetime? And normally I try to say keep Messi and Ronaldo out of it because that's too obvious, but if there's anyone that you've seen over the years that you would have wished played for Celtic, who would it be? Oh, you can go two or three if you got that many. Oh, on the spot. Oh, come on. Oh, I used to do this quite a lot. Think about these things. Um, Rivaldo. And I remember the rumours swirling about that summer. I think it was summer of twenty. Uh, no, two thousand and four must have been. I remember the rumours about Rivaldo maybe joining. And I I just had this this image in my head of him absolutely tearing it up here, you know, in, in, in the Scottish League and Rivaldo against Rangers and, and absolutely, you know, the attention that that would have brought as well. From all corners of the world, just having Rivaldo in the hoops, that would have been really, really special. Imagine and a strike guess, force, Rivaldo and Larson together. Yeah. Well, that, that that was the summer that Larson left, and that yeah. that also helped kind of, you know, uh, put a patch at least or a plaster on that wound yeah. and soften the blow. And instead we got Janino, who was also a very special player, but, yeah, obviously didn't work out. But, yeah, I would have loved to see Rivaldo in the hoops. I would have also really, really liked to see a Romanian player in the hoops. Dan Petrescu or someone like that back in the day? or Dan Petrescu was one of my favourites, yeah, yeah. I've always had a soft spot for fullbacks in general, so Petrescu would have been one. Um, 
I guess um, for a while when he was looking really good in Italy, Mutu would have been, you know, one of my my choices. Of course, that he got on the nose beers and yes. went, went and ruled his career. Yeah, that really wouldn't have gone <laughs> the way that I wanted it to go. So in a way, that's the double-edged sword of having uh, uh, one of your compatriots playing for the club that you love. It 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 has drawbacks as well. Like you wouldn't believe the coverage Rangers are getting with with uh, Hadji Junior. And it's not all positive, believe me. So I would rather just not see Celtic, you know, being covered day in, day out in the Romanian press, given, given its quality. So I've kind of changed my mind on the, the benefits of having a, a high-profile Romanian player at Celtic in the past couple of years. One of my best mates growing up was a crazy uh, Chelsea fan back before they had Abramovich bought him out when they had like Zola, Viali, all those guys, Petrescu was there. Yeah. So whenever his players watch plenty of games and you mentioned about Sutton in your top five earlier and yeah, basically my mate was over there in the UK, bought himself a Chelsea shirt, bought me one for whatever he says. He goes, you're going to come watch the games, you've got to wear them. I'm like, oh, I won't wear that. And he goes, I'll bring you back a Celtic shirt anyway. So he bought me it. He gets back, gives me both tops. Two weeks later, so, I think it was two or three weeks later, Sutton has then moved from Chelsea up to Celtic, and he and he got Sutton, he got <laughs> Sutton right on the back or whatever it was on the back of his Chelsea shirt, <laughs> and he was furious. And I just was going, get that up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's so, right. yeah. I saw plenty of Petrescu back in the day, so yeah. But as you're saying about you wouldn't want to, we've seen what the media's like, and you wouldn't wouldn't want a Romanian guy at the club for that reason. Well, we've got two guys over there at the moment as Australians with uh, Roger Chazani. Yeah, so it's it's funny you say that because it's not just the media, as I mentioned earlier. It's also we go on Twitter and you see stuff and it's people are just like, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook, and it's like, oh, your boy Rogic is doing nothing again. He's playing like absolute shite, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, hang on a second. How is he playing like shite when he's getting 20 minutes a game sometimes because he's gotten Cham and Christie in front of him who are just playing out of their skin? So it, maybe he's not fit because he can't get a game, run a game. So it's like you got to look at the bigger picture. People just putting pelters onto Big Tam all the time, and you're just like, come on, guys. We've got like five quality midfielders for three spots. Yeah, so for foreign fans, I've noticed it, 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 uh, it skews the, um, the debates around the club in, in their home countries. So like you with, with uh, Rogic and uh, Arzani, um, I, I've noticed in the past, I think there were, um, who was it? I think maybe it was Dembele that, you know, the, the, the French press was, you know, kind of shit stirring a bit, you know, basically just wishing a move on him and probably with Edward to a certain extent as well. So having a, a high profile foreign player at Celtic always brings about, you know, kind of unpleasant discussions in those countries, especially because of the reputation of the, uh, of the Scottish, uh, tin pot league. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and instead of making people, that's, that's the most frustrating bit. 
you think it'll make people actually watch the league and see that it's not that bad, that it actually does have good football in it, that it is actually quite a high standard. And it does the opposite, actually. It just entrenches people in in their cliched and ignorant views because they just you know they just focus on their player, so to speak, and they just uh, you know they just keep an eye on him and ignore the rest of the league and just want the player to move on because you know Scotland is too low a level for them. So it's, they, yeah, it's they weird. watch the um they watch the highlights and they'll be like, yeah, I see what these guys in the media mean because look how easily he beat those guys and scored. Yeah. Well, settle down, guys. You got to watch the whole game to get the context of it. That could have it's been off a really quick counter attack. Who knows? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's good fun. It's a fun time to be a Celtic fan. <laughs> Unfortunately, come with the whole stoppage and everything. We want to get the uh, – personally, myself, I'd rather we just take the break however long it can be and then come back and play, smash out the rest of the season to get nine in a row confirmed. But if they call it, they call it. They just can't null and void it. But, yeah, it's uh, interesting times ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually a bit worried about that now because <laughs> I'm not saying it's one of the more likely scenarios, but – I can still see the possibility of a null and voided season, which is just horrifying. Uh, I, I just, you know, the uncertainty is everywhere, obviously, and even the, the people in charge don't really know what to do at the moment and where to go with this. But the, the longer this goes on, the more uncertain things seem in terms of this season. I've just seen uh, the the... Your way for president come out and say the season might be lost, which is just one of those vague statements that puts the fear of God into you. So I'm just hoping, to be honest, initially I was with you and I'd much rather see this played out, even if it's behind closed doors. But I'm getting to the point where I just really want this to be confirmed and, you know, over with. Because we have deserved this, we do deserve it, and you know no one can take that away from us. And I just want to see, well, mostly I just want to celebrate as well, because we all need something to celebrate at the moment. Exactly. If it was five games into the season, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough, null and void it. But if they went null and void now, it would financially ruin a lot of clubs and leagues and stuff, because sponsor money, TV money would have to be refunded, corporate money would have to be refunded season ticket money have to be refunded then you got clubs out there like look across town to rangers they don't have the money there and if they had to pay back all their season ticket holders for the remaining four or five games whatever it's going to be they won't be able to keep the lights on then you have the same look you look at hamilton you look at some of the other small clubs hearts for instance it's gonna it's got the potential to destroy clubs and to destroy leagues so null and void's not an option for that reason alone I'd rather play all the games so then we don't have to cop those people going, oh, well, your ninth exactly. title in a row has an asterisk because coronavirus. But at the end of the but day... But you know that's going to come from them anyway. They, yeah, they, they, no matter what happens, they're going to find a way to, to uh, play it down and to talk it down. And it's, you know, I, I've stopped caring about what they're yeah. saying. Because I don't really care just... either. I'm just saying, like, that's what they'll do. And yeah. then you look at it and go... 
So if they've got to leave it as is, don't play any games behind closed doors, they've played enough games, go the old Duckworth-Lewis system for cricket where, okay, you average points or whatever per game, factor it out to your 38 games if need be to work out your relegation spots or you just call it as it is and move on to the 10 in a row season because clubs will then get their TV money paid out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and exactly. And they, go and they'll keep they, prop them up. If, if they knew it was good for them, they, they'd be focusing on that instead of just the, the, the absolute, you know, ridiculous uh, 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 hypothetical arguments and, and bragging rights and all that kind of shit. This is do or die now. It's about survival. So, you know, come wisen up. Yeah, it's only really two clubs that are mouthing off about null and void. And it's I can see I can see why Hearts are doing it certainly because yeah. yeah it's a bit different for them but even so I mean this is bigger than than it's than bigger just, than a football like, club at the end of the day and then you got on the flip side of it you look at like clubs like Dundee United who are spending a bunch of cash to guarantee yeah. they're going to go up back to the Premiership and then like if that doesn't happen. They null and void it, and they've got to stay another year there. Then there'll be legal challenges. They'll sue people because we spent all this money. We played 30-plus games with so many points clear. Why aren't we getting Why aren't we getting promoted? And then there'll be all sorts of dramas there too. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to get really legal regardless of what the decision is made. But at the end of the day, football will second to everyone's health and safety. So, yeah, everyone stay safe, stay home. Look after yeah. your friends and family, and football. It'll be back eventually. Yeah, and when it when it is finally back, that's going to be some party. Yeah, exactly. Then we'll have. Doesn't matter if you have a Hamilton versus St Mirren game at Hampton <laughs> Park, for instance. You'd have a sellout because anyone will go watch any football. Yeah, so in a way, you know, when it does come back, maybe it will come back healthier than ever before. I think you'll get more people through the door. Guaranteed. Yeah. All right, Danny, thanks for your time. And, uh, thanks for chatting, a, Jared, yeah. It's been good to uh, have a chat, speak some bit of a Celtic talk, learn a little bit about the Romania CSC, keep up the good work growing that. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping, as you said, you get, get them pretty much every year in a game over that way in qualifiers so you can continue to grow as it is and everyone at Romania underscore CSC on Twitter you got any other social media for the we're on Facebook as well uh, Facebook yeah the Romania CSC on Facebook should be easy to find and that's where you'll find Marius as well perfect alright everyone give, them, give the boys in Romania a follow hail hail and uh, thanks again Danny hail hail Jared cheers for the chat